For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are the opposed to each other, to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Before I offer this morning's sermon, I want to read some of the words that were sent out by our presiding bishop on Friday after the announcement that the Supreme Court had overturned Roe v. Wade and removed the constitutional right to abortion care in our nation. This is just some of what she wrote. She said, as a pastor of this church, I want to acknowledge that this decision affects many people, especially those whose pregnancies unfold in complex situations and the people who love them. Many now find their moral agency restricted because federal law no longer guarantees access to legal and safe abortion. They already face difficult moral questions, and the Supreme Court decision adds to that anguish. As our 1991 social statement on abortion reminds us, we have both the freedom and the obligation to serve neighbors in complex situations. As a church, we are called at this moment to recognize and spiritually support people who are struggling with decisions around pregnancy and abortion. As presiding bishop, that's still her, by the way, not me, I want to remind this church that despite this new legal landscape, we continue to depend on our social teachings for guidance. Our social statement provides the moral framework for our church's communal discernment and ministry, holding in tension both the strong Christian presumption to preserve and protect life, as well as the complex moral situations in which pregnancy sometimes occurs. Our social teaching is complex and does not hew to clear categories or labels such as pro-choice or pro-life. That complexity is reflected in several points. This statement recognizes that pregnant persons have moral agency, 
They are the ones to make decision about a pregnancy. This church and its ministers trust them to decide, but also expects them to make such decision in relationship. In relationship with God, with their partners, with their family, with their ministers and others. Let us be instruments for peace where there is none. Let us listen to one another. Let us serve the needs of neighbors and all the complexities life presents. God calls us to be for others, just as God in Christ is for us. In Christ, the Reverend Elizabeth A. Eaton, presiding bishop, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. I will add my own words that Emmanuel is a church where people are welcome and cared for. And that includes people who have had abortions and people who are struggling with difficult decisions related to pregnancy. You may not know this, but multiple women in our church have had their lives saved by abortion procedures. And others have been faced with unthinkable and really difficult decisions. And they deserve our support, our love, our care, and our encouragement. I hope you'll join me in speaking and acting in ways that affirm our love for one another. This is a place where you are loved. And if anyone ever wants to talk about these issues or perhaps the feelings they stir up within you, I am here for you. And perhaps more importantly, in a few weeks, Pastor Sarah will be too. So, a few years ago, I was driving south from Massachusetts to Pennsylvania. It was 2018, and I had recently learned that we had, sorry, Annie and I had recently learned that we were moving to a faraway land called Worcester. And I drove up to meet with Emmanuel's call committee and church council. As I was driving home, I saw this, this truck with a New Hampshire license plate. And you have to understand, until we moved here, I had lived in Pennsylvania my whole life. I didn't know anything about New England. I still hardly know anything about New England. But even growing up in Pennsylvania, I'd heard that the state of New Hampshire could be kind of intense. Pennsylvania's state motto is virtue, liberty, and independence. The Texas state motto, Texas, is friendship. (laughs) But New Hampshire, you know it, right? Live free or die. So I see this truck from New Hampshire. It's old, it's beat up, and there's this license plate on the back framed by the words, live free or die, like most of the license plates. And, And on the bumper, there's a big sticker that says, no airbags will die like real men. (laughs) I promise, I'm not making this up. No airbags will die like real men. I drove home wondering, what in the world are we getting ourselves into? I think that truck has stuck with me because it begs the question, what does it actually mean to live free? The idea of freedom is important to us as United States citizens. Next week, we're going to celebrate our country's independence. And it's good to remember that this country was formed by people who just wanted to be free. 
throughout our history, settlers and immigrants have come here seeking religious, cultural, and economic freedom. And at its best, that is what our nation offers. It's equally important to remember just how much of this nation was built by people who were not free, who were enslaved and brought here by force to be exploited. Freedom is a big part of our American social fabric. The the Declaration of Independence declared that human beings are created by God with inalienable rights. And while in many ways we're still working to ensure that declaration is a reality for all people, from the very beginning of our country, the idea of being free was tied to the idea of having rights. That's part of what makes this week's Supreme court decision so difficult because to many it feels like a freedom has now been taken away and as a result women feel less free. That's how we think of freedom. Freedom is having personal rights. Freedom is about my rights, my having choices. Freedom is about what I want. It means I can do what I want, even drive a junky old truck with no airbags because that makes me feel free. And like a real man for some reason. I don't get that, but that's another sermon, I think. I understand this way of thinking about freedom. But what's interesting is that in our reading from Galatians this morning, where where Paul uses the word free multiple times, he talks about freedom in a very different way. See, he had just spent chapters explaining to the Christians in Galatia that because of Jesus They were free. And he clearly anticipated that people who heard his words would think to themselves, awesome, I can do whatever I want. Because with his next words, he says that Christian freedom is not about doing whatever you want. It's not about my rights. Instead, he talked about other people. He said that as Christians, our freedom has a purpose. He wrote, you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, but do not use your freedom for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ, which we might call our declaration of dependence on God, teaches that our freedom is not about us and our rights. It's about doing God's work and accomplishing God's will. We are free so that we can serve others in love. And we're called to embrace this understanding of freedom. Our readings this morning from 1 Kings and the Gospel of Luke are stories of people being called to follow. In 1 Kings, the prophet Elijah calls Elisha, not confusing at all, to follow him. In Luke, people ask Jesus if they can come and follow, and he invites them to come along. But in both stories, it's clear that answering God's call involves leaving something behind. Not just old lives, but also old and broken down ways of thinking about and seeing the world. A German theologian named Dietrich Bonhoeffer once wrote, When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. 
And in these readings, I hear the Spirit calling us away from self-centered, shallow ways of thinking about freedom to instead embrace God's freedom. True freedom, which always leads us to grow in serving and caring for others. We are free. Through Jesus, we are set free from trying to earn God's approval and love, and instead, we can simply receive God's forgiveness and grace as the gift it is meant to be. How amazing is that? We're set free from needing to seek love and acceptance in all the wrong places because God has filled that need. We're set free from trying to find ultimate meaning and purpose and possessions and wealth and sex and all the other things we chase to try to satisfy our souls. Through Jesus, we're set free from needing to obey rules and fulfill commands in our futile efforts to make ourselves righteous or holy. We're free from a a spiritual narcissism that makes our religious practices all about us, our piety, our righteousness. Through Jesus, we're free from our fear of death, for we know that through his death and resurrection, Christ has opened the door to eternal life. In Jesus, we are set free from guilt and shame free from being defined by our past mistakes, free even from the wrong others have committed against us. We're set free from self-centered living that is all about me, my wants, my needs, my desires. This is what our Savior has done for us. This is the gospel we proclaim. This is the joy that fills our hearts. We have been set free from these things. But this morning I want to ask, what have we been set free for? How do we use that freedom in our daily lives? For what purpose? Has God set us free? What else could it be than to live the kind of life Jesus lived? A life dedicated to the care and well-being of others. A life of loving service towards people. A life where we die to ourselves and we live for the sake of others. A life where the transformation that's happening inside of us, which leads to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, overflows to the people around us in witness to Christ's grace and goodness. Our freedom is for love. That's our calling. We're free so that we can love and serve And not just some people, not just the people who are like us, not those people that we like or that we think deserve it. No, Paul says that in love we are to become slaves to one another. And I think that means even and especially the people we dislike and find difficult to love. Not that any of you are difficult to love. See, we're all connected, and our freedom is too. Jesus did not speak about his rights as he went to the cross. 
Stephen did not claim his rights as he became the first Christian martyr. Mother Teresa was not concerned about her rights as she poured out her life in love for the least. God's people have loved and served throughout history, knowing that their freedom was primarily about their responsibility to give whatever they could to love their neighbors just as Christ did. Christian freedom teaches us a different set of questions. Not what are my rights, but rather what are my responsibilities. Not how can I benefit, but rather how can others benefit. Not what am I allowed to do, but what is best for the people around me. Not what can I get from this, but instead what can I give or sacrifice for the sake of someone else. So may it be so among us and through us. May we, my New Hampshire adjacent friends, die to ourselves and in doing so, live free. I think that would make a good bumper sticker. Amen.